Wait, did you hear? <gasps> no. We're diving into the juiciest celebrity profiles of all time. I'm Beatrice Hazelhurst. And I'm Ivana Ryder. This, this is Uncover Girl. Girl. Hello. Hello. Is that a Celsius I see in your hand and it's oh, evening? It's, got, it's always got to be a Celsius at 6.20 p.m. If I did that, a Celsius at 6.20 p.m., you would never see me again. I would be, I don't even know, hiking into the night. <laughs> it should be classified as a class A drug because it really does go like cocaine, Adderall, Celsius. Like that oh, is yeah. the natural progression. <laughs> easy that's yeah that's casual it's so strong like and i know we've talked about this before it is a an absolute jolt to the senses and honestly i need it right now and that's why it's here in my hand you literally uh, bump this like you you bump it you snort it you chug it's like i have yeah. bought a can at one point when i really needed a jolt and i took i think like one third of it and then i threw the rest away treating it like yes. a class a drug yeah i have been um because i have a subscription that don't want to brag. You always downplay. You always downplay all these essential pieces of your life. I basically chip away. I've been chipping away at this one can for about like a week. Like I just, I know that sounds kind of gross, but I, I truly just leave it. And then I come back and I have another couple of sips and I leave it and I come back. Like really, I take it in. I take it slow. You're microdosing. You <laughs> microdosing Celsius. Have you ever heard of people who I may be stepping into hot water here? In the legal sense. If you're the people who buy cocaine and don't do it, they like buy a bag, but like they'll chip away at it. Like it'll take a few months. I think there's two types of people in the world. The people that would not go to sleep, literally like run it out or someone who's going to like cut themselves off, put it away for safekeeping and like back the next week, the next party, the next event. Yeah. I feel like I have friends in both camps whether it's mm -hmm. cocaine or weed or even alcohol i have friends who can sip on a drink one drink all night and then i have friends where nothing's really started until they've had four shots so yeah and i don't think it correlates at all with a, like an addictive personality type hmm, what do you think it is like logic self-control versus like laissez-faire free spirit <laughs> i couldn't tell you there's a self-control piece there but i also think that it's also being in touch with what you actually feel like in a given moment. I think I know a lot of people who will have three drinks in a night just because that's kind of what they've always done versus thinking at each juncture of like, I'm making a choice here. Do I actually want it? Do I feel like it? Would that be nice? Is that how I want to feel tomorrow? And um, I think that just takes some, I don't know, training or just some thought behind it. The most irresistible thing in my life is sugar. The other day I like saved my croissant. I've talked about it before. I'll talk about it again. It's a strawberry jam almond croissant, but I saved it, which is actually outrageous. I had half and I was like, actually, I'm good. I'll just have half tomorrow morning. The other half. I've never done it since. I don't think I could do it again, but there was some sort of shifting tide in me in that moment. And really, I mean, I really want to talk about Ozempic in that sense because <laughs> Have you heard its capacity to rewire the brain in the sense of addiction? Have we spoken about yes, that? Yes. Yes, yeah. I have, which is really wild. Alcoholism, shopping, like it's become like an, an unforeseen side effect. I guess it's just rerouting your dopamine receptors, right? So it's like the things that usually give you pleasure don't in the same way. That would be a huge plus to taking it, apart from like the obvious nausea, literally seeing a plate of cupcakes and wanting to vomit it really does seem like it could be revolutionary for addicts we really do have to remember that it is mental health substance use is really a, it's all in the brain people tend to look at these people as fallible of like why can't you just make a different decision but that's not really how it works at all and that totally. is further proof of it no i think i definitely reach for his little sweet treat in times of crisis. I mean, we talked about it last week, your sour candy. I'm coming fresh off what I did the moment before I sat down and pressed record was that I got a pint of ice cream out of the <gasps> freezer and I finished it. Oh, delightful. A Jenny's darkest chocolate. <gasps> oh, not a Jenny's. Yeah. And I mixed in this 
limited edition Justin February Baskin Robbins flavor. It's called Love Potion 31, and it's a white chocolate ice cream raspberry swirl with little dark chocolate raspberry ganache filled hearts. Okay, the way that you are absolutely winding down for a beautiful Valentine's Day themed night, and I am chugging a Celsius. <laughs> I know that's exactly what that I didn't even think about it, but yeah, you're so right. Yeah, it was. I had the two little flavors. I dealt them out into the Jenny's pint, and I just sat down on the couch and I. So I'm uh, sugar is right on the mind. I can still taste it on my lips. I really don't think there's anything better. Like I, no, I want it's the best. This this whole thing, and I think I've talked about this before. This interview I had with Laurie Harvey, and she was like deep, deep in the like consuming as as few calories as possible. But the one thing that really did stay with me was that she said, you know, I would take a dessert over a drink every time because I would rather that be the way that I indulge. And I was like, damn, dude, it has to be the same for me. Like if Chris said to me, he was like, you have to give up cake or you have to give, it was it was actually like a Sophie's choice. He was like, you have to give up cake. or You have to give up like every major food group. And I was like, it's a tough call. It's a tough call. Yeah, sorry, like, vegetables. Literally, I'm giving up like a pad thai. I'm giving up a burger and fries. I don't want to like live a life without cake. And you know my bakery heritage. I come I from a long line of bakers dating back yeah. to the 1800s. It's in the blood. It wouldn't be right for you ancestrally to give up cake. No, it's like how we evolve as humans. Our genetic traits shift based on our environment, environmental factors. That is how I am. It's in there. Well, they talk about actually how you can physically make yourself sick if you look at something that you're about to eat and are like, oh my God, I shouldn't have this. And there's like a lot of stress around it. It, Your body has a really hard time digesting it because when we're really, really stressed or anxious, our digestive system goes all out of whack. So when you're doing the thing where you're like, this is horrible. Like, I can't believe I'm, I'm about to eat this. It's like, okay, well, you might as well just eat it and enjoy it because you're going to stress yourself out. No, it's the same as hypochondria. Have you met people that truly will make themselves sick off the basis of just feelings? Yeah. Stressing about like what's going to happen, what's going to happen, what's going to happen, and then it just inevitably happening. I mean, there is such a thing, I think, as being too in tune with your body. It's fun to just be like, woohoo. It's it's really insane how that has become self-fulfilling prophecy. But wait, okay, what's what's inspiring inspiring you? You start, you start, because I'm actually on the fly today. I'm also on the fly, as I always am, as I refuse to to think in advance. Okay. I, I think one. for me. Oh, go. Oh my God. Of course. No, you always do. You always do. Hit me with it. You know, I love a challenge. What has been inspiring me this week is one of the most difficult themed parties I have ever come up against. It's very rarely that I get beat out by a theme. You tell me, think you tell me, um, Boats and hoes. You tell me wigs and hoes. You tell me pimps and hoes. And I'm there. I got you. I'm in a full latex suit. I'm ready to go. I can, there's, there's few themes that really stump me. And this week, I am going to a party themed 80s apreski. Now, dwell on that for a second. It's 80s apreski. It was a lot of shoulder pads, but also spandex and lycra like everything seemed very um contrary you know and my god if i go on pinterest and try and find 80s apres ski even like slim aaron's apres ski i just cannot i could not a single reference you know how every decade 60s 70s 90s we can kind of point to a particular aesthetic but uh, 80s apres ski ivana i have tried on such a range of different outfits so I've tried on mod-esque bandage dresses. I have tried on turtlenecks under leopard suits. Just nothing has really worked. I'm going in a completely different direction in the end of this. I have, uh, it's a big pivot. Not the red dress? Nope. Different way, different way entirely. And I love to dress up and I love to experiment and play around. But I have found myself staring in the mirror in a new even more ridiculous outfit. Like, it's just not it. It's just not it. And so that has honestly been an inspiration because I have put outfits together I would never imagine. I have raided my closet to find new ways and uses. And I think what I've come up with is truly the most random outfit of all. I could not have found it last week. I could not have put it together even two days ago. It came in a minute of complete delusion. And I paired um, a bodysuit 
with some red stockings, with some leg warmers, with a belt. It sounds actually insane. With a fur coat. Done. And did you own these things to begin with? I did own. I owned. Oh, yeah. It's sustainable. You've shopped within your own closet. You've done it. You've done it. It sounds like a perfect outfit. Wait, can I tell you what else I did, though, on the quest to get this thing right? Yes. I saw a dress weeks ago at a flea market. I was like thinking about it. I was like, do you know what? That dress actually will be perfect. So I go back. I return to the flea market last weekend and I'm like, okay, I'm going to track this thing down. I see my lady who has the dress. I say, where's the dress? She goes, well, it's actually with my husband. He's at a different flea market all the way across town. I was like, I can't do it. She goes, however, I will be at a different flea, Melrose Trading Post, tomorrow if you want to come. So I show up. It's a Sunday and I am going through maybe 150 vendors to try and find this woman. I'm running the length of the flea. I go and approach the organizers who on their walkie talkies are like, "Mm," they're like, do you know the name of the vintage store? I was like, I don't. I find a woman who I recognize from another flea where this past woman was at. And I say, do you know her name? And she goes, yes, Alyssa. Her name is Alyssa, but I couldn't tell you anything else. I was like, okay. Oh my God. Yep. I go back to the managers. I was like, her name is Alyssa. And they were like, the only Alyssa we have is at R33. I run to R33. It's a different Alyssa. It's Alyssa selling body chains. That is not my Alyssa. So I walk away dejected on the verge of tears, honestly, because I have been running for now a good hour and a quarter. And I just think to myself, I'm like, how, like, when will I ever find this woman again? You know, I'm never going to get this dress. My commitment, I found the email address for the manager of the Saturday Flea. I reached out and said, I'm looking for a vintage store owner. Her name is Alyssa. The manager, Edwin, was like, I'm forwarding your email to Alyssa. Alyssa replies and says, hello, how can I help you? I'm like, hi, it's me with the dress. You weren't at the flea. Can I have it? So she meets me outside a local cafe at 6 p.m. (laughs) to drug deal me the dress. Full circle. Speaking of drugs, she puts the bag, the plastic bag through the window. I scan her Venmo without even leaving the car and I'm on the way. Guess what? I'm not even wearing the dress. (laughs) Unbelievable unbelievable but when you set your sights on something i have to see it through you can find anyone on the internet these days this is the moral truly this is this is the inspiration overall never give up if you have a name if you have a location a vague idea of what this person does (laughs) this is just like a, a mandate for stalkers everywhere you can chase down the object of your affection and um and that's set on that Yeah, you really can. You really can. It's just a matter of how much time you're willing to invest. And this weekend, you were willing to invest the time. And that has inspired me, just knowing that I'm capable of going to such lengths to achieve my dreams. Mine has come to me. Mine has come to me, and I had it, and I lost it, and I had it again. Okay, tell me. What is inspiring me... I It was also an occurrence of this weekend, which is just that I have been having an unbelievable amount of suburban teen experiences in a way that I never really did when I was a suburban teen. I went to the mall this weekend and saw a movie. And when I left the movie, the mall was all closed. And we were walking around and it felt like heaven to me. It felt like, do you know when you would do things like sneak out or go do something and you would see the world in a new way or later at night and you would just be like, oh my God, the options are endless. This world is amazing. And as I walked by the Talbots, as I walked by Victoria's Secret in earnest, because the other thing is in LA, malls are kind of cool. They're chic. They're interesting. They're outdoors. Beautiful planters. planters, And they're always European village themed. Yes. Yeah. The Grove, the Glendale Americana. Why is there always a fountain and cobblestones? You are walking through cobblestone streets, beautiful (laughs) ornate lanterns on all sides of you. And I forgot what it was like to really be in a true mall, the kind of mall where you're you're getting lost. You can see Macy's. Macy's is sort of the biggest building there. And then everything else is sort of confusing. There are all these stores that I thought went out of business, like Love Shack, the beanbag company, still there, beanbags? still totally alive and well. Beanbags, just beanbags. And the Victoria's Secret, like in its in its prime, sort of dark lighting, so much pink, sexy, sexy girls out front. I just, I absolutely loved it. And I feel like I'm leaning in and healing a piece of my inner child by participating in all of these sort of teen rituals. Being able to be back in touch 
with, well, first of all, it's so romantic because there's something about the American teen, especially in suburbia. I mean, Nirvana really brought it home for us, but Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen, 13 Going on 30, every romantic comedy we've ever seen has been based on a pretty white suburban teen. And you are her. You are her in this moment. I am aware acutely when I'm doing it of like, I am playing a little part. I am... This is a little new role for me to take on. No, I literally feel like you're about to sit the SATs, go to a pep rally, and wear your future college sweatshirt. Oh, and speaking of the SATs, our amazing subjects (laughs) are so worried about them in this week's profile. So, so worried about their SATs. Wait, I truly, that was such an unintended segue. I did not mean to do that. You never mean to, but you always do, no matter what. No matter what, you come here with your A-game, and you've done it again today. So you might have noticed I said subjects, and we're never usually doing two, but this is a special circumstance because our subjects today are the Olsen twins in Rolling Stone, 2003, so at the peak of their powers. And before we get started, I really need to know actually what your relationship was to them because we kind of, this one we threw in and then we said nothing more. And I need to know where they sat in your life before we get started. Um, They were mothers, sisters, friends. Um, They were actually God to me, I think. I have done this my whole life where I have looked at people's ages to compare where I'm at, but I was in no worse a place than with, can you hear that? That's Dimitri. Oh, oh yeah, I did hear it, but so, so, so briefly. No, they were truly everything to me in a way that was a little bit unhinged. They were plastered all over my walls for one. And I was obsessed with every single movie from Passport to Paris to When in Rome to Our Lips Are Sealed, you name it. I could name every single one, quote them all. How And it's addressed in this profile, so it feels right. But it was just how fast they moved in such a short amount of time. Like I was nine years old and looking at them at age, you know, 14 and being like, okay, when they were nine, they had already filmed Soccer Dad. What is it? Um, winning oh. goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know <laughs> Switching what you're goals. <laughs> Switching goals. Billboard Dad. They were just, they were knocking them out of the park. They had a line. I was like, if I want to be a serious actress, which at the time I did, I need to be really getting on it. I need to be working. And those girls were working. Yeah, I, I do want to say as a disclaimer if if someone is feeling right now that's listening to this feeling like oh i'm getting old i haven't accomplished enough i should have done things younger i would take a moment and maybe come back to this when you're in a better headspace because there is actually no one that is going to make you feel like yeah i understand that you're 5 but you're lazy you were lazy at 5 i worked hard at 5 i would skip this episode altogether if i was you i feel like none of us are really mentally robust enough to handle it no i Loved these girls. I thought they were some of the most beautiful young gals in the world. I remember looking up to them thinking their hair was perfect. Their faces were perfect. Their style was so cool. They were amazing actresses. They were electric on screen. I I totally love them. And I still do. In now they're very chic, the row era. I'm all in. I'm totally all in. And seeing and reading this profile, I understand now more how they got to where they are now. Because somehow they made this transition seamlessly and they've been respected all the while. Despite the completely changed landscape they exist in now, they're beloved as upscale fashion designers and they were beloved as tweens. They're actually one of the few, I think, that have managed to make such a career pivot with such credibility. I mean, how many other stars can you name, maybe with the exception of of Victoria Beckham, but even she wasn't acknowledged as like, top of her class like number one entertainer I mean these girls have really made a name for themselves in two extremely difficult industries to be taken seriously and that in and of itself is a huge credit to them with that let's dive in the headline the Olsen twins sisters of perpetual abstinence with 16 Ah. years in this I know (laughs) with 16 (laughs) years in the spotlight and 300 million in the bank the sisters are ready for their close-up. Wait, I didn't read the deck. It says $300 million in the bank? Yes. Okay, th- this is the other thing. If you're right now like everyone I know in a not financial place that's super great, these girls knew what they were doing. They made really 
wise money moves. And it led to them to be some of the richest and best paid actresses kind of of their time, even before they were of age. I mean, in an industry that's so famous for exploitation and paying women literally nothing, they got their bag. It was being negotiated for them even when they were like nine months old. And this is written by Jancy Dunn, who is currently a columnist at the New York Times. She was a contributing editor at O, Oprah Magazine, and she worked at Rolling Stone for years. So she was there from like 89 to 2003 when this profile came out. And she also has a really cool book on menopause called Hot and Bothered. She's written about so, so, so many cool people. And this just felt like a no-brainer for us. It's right in our... An era I think you and I love to romanticize and one that we always go back to, 2003, Beyonce releases Crazy in Love. Ugg boots are on every foot in America. Everyone is absolutely so obsessed they would die over these shoes. The Vanity Fair It's Raining Teens issue came out, which I know we've discussed. Yes. And for the Super Bowl halftime show, it was No Doubt and Shania Twain. And No Doubt going back to Coachella. I know. I know. It really all comes around. And Shania Twain just was a couple episodes ago. My God. I think every day about how Ugg's marketing team pulled off that coup. Like, how did they... How did they do it? How did they do it? How did they turn an Australian sheep's wool slipper into, like, the must-have hot item? In LA, a summer climate <laughs> where it almost never makes sense to wear that out. Almost no. never. You're sweating no matter what. Yeah, you've got maybe like six weeks a year to get away with that. But it's like girls in tiny mini skirts and then a slipper. Our, the height of cool. It was. And in this moment, in 2003, Mary Kate and Ashley are not only well known, they are beloved. People have watched them grow up on television. And we'll get into, you know, the the full house years as the profile goes. But I just want to share this little piece of information that I stumbled upon in my research, which I think really paints a picture better than I could, better than you could, better than this profile could, which is that at this point in the early 2000s, Mary-Kate and Ashley had a fan club where fans would pay to receive Mary-Kate and Ashley collectibles and photos. And they had a subscription to their fan club magazine called Our Fun Zine. And fans gave it all up to get a t-shirt or a key ring or a little hat or a folder or something, Mary-Kate and Ashley. They would also get surprise gifts once in a while. And oh my God. it was it was advertised in the front in front of all of their movies um until like 1998. And Everyone was obsessed, like an actual, literal, physical fan club that was organized and had a magazine. The original Patreon. It really was. Wow. So that's where we find them. And they're just 16 in this moment. So the profile opens. It's fun to walk down a Los Angeles street flanked by Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen. First, you have to get over feeling like Andre the Giant as you clomp alongside them because they are small. Mary-Kate is five feet one, Ashley five feet two, both a size zero. They dart gracefully through passersby like a pair of dragonflies, while everyone else seems to lumber. What's entertaining is to watch people's faces as the girls head to a favorite breakfast place, the annoyingly named but tasty Earth Cafe. They all do a triple take. Hmm, twins. Next, pretty twins. And finally, are they? And so we're here. We're in Earth Cafe, which is a place that I love. I know it's overpriced. I know it's ridiculous. But my God, the kale salad, it <laughs> it just does it for me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to say it. I've never been to this day, but it is a <gasps> famed celeb hotspot. Yeah, it was on Entourage, if you are familiar. Yes. They were always at Earth Cafe running into Jessica Alba. But yeah, I still have never been. I don't know the appeal. Is it vegetarian? It's not. It's just sort of like healthy, quote unquote. There are a mm-hmm. lot of salads and the food. The food is good. The food is good. And their bakery is actually good. You and I should go and get a sweet something from their bakery because they know what they're doing. Smoothies are great. I have nothing bad to say about it. I know it's like a very basic LA spot. But when they are yeah. there, Jancy is basically like, oh, my God, everybody is losing their minds. There are guys that are like, oh, whoa, they're hot. I'll take the one on the left. You take the other. I can't believe she heard that, that some guy was like, yeah, I'll take that one. You take this one. 
twins make men act disgusting. I'm like, are you aware that you're talking about people? It's just two people now. They're both people still. That's the thing. It's like two for one. I think that's the it's like I find this girl hot and now there are two of them. Imagine what could happen. Everyone just loses their mind. On Love Island, whenever twins come in, everybody's like jumping into the pool to cool off because it's so intense what might transpire. But then do you notice when they separate the twins and the twins then pursue their own romantic interests that the guys are just never as into it that never is king no they it's just so they just weird. like it when they're just walking side by side yes like yes matching but that? not matching out i don't know it's it's crazy but the other thing is that while these guys are doing this there's also an eight-year-old girl that's like oh my god can i have an autograph because their appeal is far far reaching it's not a hot guy thing there are young girls who idolize them and they say of course and then we sort of get into their background. So Jancy writes, famous since they were nine months old, the Olsons, now 17, are like your friend's heretofore unnoticed kid sister who has suddenly grown up. Because they seem to have lived a charmed life and are reportedly worth $150 million each, they're largely absent from the e-network red carpet hoo-ha. There is an aura of tantalizing mystery around them. And there really is because... They don't need to be a part of the TMZ world. They don't need to make splashy headlines. They have gotten their money and they're good. They're totally good. This line that projects their their brand at a $1 billion worth, I mean, that's putting them up with some of the biggest companies in the planet at this point. I mean, it's 2003. Not many corporations are reaching a $1 billion valuation. No. And it really, I think, also gives context to the Rose success. They have been doing this since they were so young. And I know that a lot of stars of that moment, you know, Britney Spears had a perfume and Gwen Stefani had a perfume and Lauren Conrad had a fashion line. Like so many people developed other side projects, but they did it and they did it very seriously. Even though their clothes were accessible, the Mary-Kate and Ashley line, they clearly worked out a lot of kinks so that when they did make designer clothes, they could do it very, very well. I also have a theory I want to posit to you, which is that obviously they look very different now than they did when they were this age. And they were so desired in this moment as like truly like the hottest girls on the planet. And I will admit that I have actually seen them in person. I was at a dinner in a hotel and they were there. A friend asked them for a cigarette. They were smoking. They were like, no. Oh, no, I think they did give her one. And then she asked her photo and they were like, no. But they look much older than they are. They kind of look like little old ladies a little bit, like when you see them in person. And I saw them seven years ago. I just wondered if they're chain smoking their lifestyles their the way that they dress which is so obviously conservative not sexy in any way was almost in direct rebellion to how much they were fetishized and obsessed over in these early years like it's kind of just like a fuck you to the whole male population of just like you think i'm going to be hot for you well think again and even the men they've chosen have proved interesting in that sense like they're not the i don't know Chad Michael Murray's of them all. Oh, totally. And I also see a grain of that that exists here where they talked about how they tend to dress modestly because that's just what they like. They wouldn't, they're not really interested in a tiny little mini skirt, even here, 17, when I think most people, this is when they're trying to push the most boundaries and are sort of like the smaller, the better, the smaller, the hotter. I'm trying to be a woman. And they are kind of not worried about that. They're just trying to be themselves. This is what hit so hard for me was this quote about the fact that there were websites dedicated to their 18th birthday with one site saying, find out if the twins are already legal in your state and Howard Stern mentioning them regularly and enthusiastically. It's like, it's so gross. <laughs> it's so gross. It was, it's so crazy how we talked about children in this era and pop stars. They were also subject to questions about their virginity, which we'll get into later. But I just don't understand. And I also found it really interesting as some um, perspective because, I mean, as you mentioned, they had a series of hits. So Little Time, One in Rome. They had Passport to Paris, Two of a Kind. I mean, It Takes Two, 
so many cute, fun movies. And I didn't really realize until I read this that they were trying to do something different than a lot of the other movies of this time where, you know, there was the Lizzie McGuire movie. There was What a Girl Wants. And they were trying to do something more mainstream comedy. They were really leaning into their comedy chops. They wanted it to be more of a meet the parents and something that would appeal to an older audience versus young girl tweens, which the Lizzie McGuire movie was sort of explicitly for. So Mary-Kate says, we have to take into consideration the people who want to watch us, and we're still going to keep those little kids happy. It's like they were in this moment where they were trying to figure out how to broaden their appeal. And I think, and I may be wrong in this, but New York Minute, which is what they're talking about here, right? Yeah. Was their first cinema release like everything was direct to video direct to dvd prior to this i remember going to this movie in the cinema and it being this big event because i had never seen them on the big screen (gasps) oh my god what a memory back to them all we go back to childhood we are and i mean that's really i that must have been what this jogged in me i didn't see it in theaters but i remember begging for it at blockbuster i remember needing to have it so desperately and, no, and fair enough. I mean, it was it was good. I again, though, a when it there's nothing that beats like a when in Rome or our lips are sealed. You know what I mean? A getting there. It's I know. just like I mean, when they tried to, and it was obviously it was their lawyer, right? Or no, the CEO of Jewel Star Entertainment who tried to push them in this direction. Yeah, who was once their lawyer? Right. He has been okay. involved. He was involved with the family forever since they were nine months old, and sort of negotiated their contracts and. I'm surprised that the story here isn't that this man then completely fucked both of them over later in life and destroyed everything and robbed them of all their wealth. Instead, it seems like he really set them up because at the point that they turned 18, they became co-presidents of Dual Star and just continued to make tons of money. And now we're at the part of the profile where we get some we get some saucy description. We get to know what it actually is like to sit across from these girls. So as Jancy writes, they go to this place called Elixir that's selling, you know, fun L.A. drinks. Mary Kate breezes in first in a black blazer, tan sweats, flip flops and an old Van Halen T-shirt. The perfect California girl. She looked even better after a day at the beach. Gold flecked skin, shiny blonde hair, as fresh as and organic as the strawberries she nibbles on. Her cell phone rings. It's Ashley. You're late. OK, I got a parking ticket. Twenty six bucks. OK, love you. They end most conversations that way. Ashley hurries in a few minutes later, full of apologies, wearing ripped jeans, a gray hooded sweatshirt, broken stocks. She's the older sister by two minutes and is an inch taller. They're fraternal twins, but they do look almost exactly alike. So here they are. They've arrived and they're, I mean, honestly, relatively chill. They've come in a very chill outfit to this interview. Effortlessly chic. I think when you describe California ease, that is who they embody. And of course, they would change coasts and become very New York. But that kind of everything, that's so that's so effortlessly beautiful, that's so effortlessly stylish. And obviously, this was a time pre-natural plastic surgery. So there was no pulling off what they had without anything other than genetics. I mean, they just... Are like happy, chill, gorgeous twins, which seems impossible when you've been working since nine months. Yeah, nine months. And their whole foray into the entertainment industry was basically an accident. Their mom was just like, what if what if we submitted them to this little thing? Yeah, didn't an agency just post an ad for like twins? Like, hey, we need some twins on our roster. And she was like, "Ah, I got twins. Yeah. And the only reason for that is just because babies can't work for very long. Babies, if you're a baby, you can only work for 20 minutes. That's the rule. So if you have twins, they can just work like double that time and you can swap them in for each other. The Cole Sprouse, Dylan Sprouse, I learned that that way too on Friends. Oh my God. There's so many famous twins. Who else? I guess it's just them. (laughs) I guess it's just them. But those two are very famous in my mind. They are. I watched them grow up. And go in very different directions. Imagine Cole and Dylan come out with like a really beautiful luxury fashion line together. (laughs) They get into the perfume business. They win like CFDA awards. It's like (laughs) lauded by all and worn by every fashion editor in town. (laughs) Oh, unbelievable. No, I don't know. I don't know where those those fellows are going. But 
she talks about how it seems like they the Olsen twins have no angry edge, no indefinable hurt. And not to compare twins, but that's the difference with like a Sprouse. Because the Sprouse's, at least Cole, definitely has that angry edge, you know? And they just like, she was like, yeah, they seem so chill. Like they're just kind of ordinary gals. The craziest thing we learn about is that Ashley sometimes gets nervous in crowds and Mary-Kate's kind of the more chill one. And Ashley is like, you know, I like to check my exits when I show up somewhere. And Mary-Kate's like, yeah, I always feel really safe because Ashley gets nervous for the both of us. And and the one like big reveal of Ashley being like, I'm crazy, is that a spider jumped on her and she freaked out and then she didn't kill it. <laughs> and I was like, okay, so that's what we're working with here in terms of adversity. That's what we're yeah. dealing with on the day to day. I know. And it does it does come to a head where it's sort of like she feels guilty because at one point, I think Mary-Kate told her, what if that spider had a brother or a sister? Do you know how sad the other would be? Pulling the twins card, for sure. Big time. And they're just normal. They really are. They're planning to go to college next year in New York. And they are worried about what any high school 17-year-old student is worried about. Are they going to get in? What's going to happen? How am I going to do on my SATs? SATs. There we go. SATs. Their dad is quoted here and his quote reads, some of my friends say, you're kidding. They really care about going to college with all they've accomplished so far. And he himself, he's a commercial real estate developer. He says, they're as worried about getting into school as anyone else's kids and nobody can believe it. They've been a wreck about their SATs. They turned on being on Oprah because they had to study for them. And I'm sure they would have been like, it's a no-brainer. Like, why do we need the publicity? But doesn't this like so ring true to you about the child stars that have made it out successfully and those who haven't? And the the discerning factor always seems to be a good, strong, available parent or two, if you're lucky, but even kind of just one, I think gets you by. Whereas like those who have fallen off, Lindsay, Brittany, it's always been the same story of just like, parents who are willing to exploit them, wanting the money, making them work as much as possible, but there's no emotional support. And Dave, their dad, just seems like such a cool, normal guy. He's like, yeah, go to college. I mean, I'm sure Dina Lohan was not being like, have you thought about college? You know, what if we left all this behind for a second? No, she was cracking the weapon. She's like, get to work on Herbie Fully Loaded, babe. Oh, it's just sad. I know. For all the ones who didn't get that, who just like have never gotten that and then have to hopefully build it up in their own lives. I mean, I look at Paris Hilton having a little baby and I'm like, wow, I'm sure there's some hopefully healing happening there where it's like, you know what you're not going to do, unfortunately, because you experienced brutality in your own teen years. So true. Yeah, the publicity thing, they don't need it. And what's more, they've had some bad experiences at this point. I, this was not something that I was aware of, but Connie Chung in 2002, asked them live on air if they were still virgins. Wait, can you tell me who Connie Chung is? I don't think I've ever heard the name until now. Okay, she is like a old school sort of journalist, like with a capital J. I'm trying to remember like where. She was on ABC. She was an anchor. She is sort of like very put together. Like a Barbara Walters type, like a Katie Kirk type. Okay, yeah. Totally. Someone that you would come and do like a sit down interview with. Right. And this was so, I mean, just way too normalized that people were obsessed with finding out if stars had lost their virginities. But they especially, Ashley says, I got really angry and defensive. That's personal. Why would you be asking a 16-year-old that question in the first place? Which feels like it breaks the fourth wall for a second where for some reason everyone is treating that as normal in the early 2000s. And so it's very interesting to see a starlet herself be like, why would you ever do that? That's ridiculous. Yeah, it takes them to raise the flag up and be like, hang on, like hold the phone. What is this? Which is so yeah. 16? People 16. were asking Brittany, I think later than that. Like at least she was like 18, 19. L- a literal minor? Anything that they admit to is technically illegal. So it's like, why? You know, don't don't do this. Don't don't do this to them. And they also aren't the type. They are not loving the paparazzi photos that people always die for. They got photographed in their bikinis on a vacation in Hawaii. And Ashley said that she cried hysterically. It was her worst nightmare. So as a result 
of their fame and how much people are always trying to get to know them, they have bodyguards. And in my mind, I was like, that's really interesting. I Were they really famous enough to have them? But after reading everything, the fan club, the obsession, and the fact that they sort of wanted to remain private, it makes complete sense. And they call them their little guardian angels. <laughs> so that are there cute. just in case this is what really hit me about their net worth because round the clock protection around the clock security is so incredibly expensive and of course like why wouldn't it be you're often getting ex-military men who yeah are charging upwards of probably around like 80 to 150 an hour even more so for them to afford this so i was just like okay they are making money because n- so few celebrities have access to that. I mean, when you see Justin Haley walking to get an Erewhon smoothie, usually they don't have security. That's such a good point. So it really is in these little clues that we have to deduce what their net worth is because anytime their bank account or net worth is mentioned, they cringe. Their only big purchases have been Range Rovers for their 16th birthday, matching little Range Rovers. How cute. And they're just kind of like, "Ah, I don't want to talk about it. It's like, I'm good. I know. And she talks about their bag spilling over and the only two things to come out is her like sparkly cell phone and a Chanel lip gloss. And like these are the cues we have to take to really deduce what's going on behind the scenes here. But man, they must have funded the role because that's the hardest thing is to get a brand off the ground funding wise. So they would have just self-funded and just rode that all the way. It's crazy. I know. And I think that, I mean, there have been a couple designers that have announced that this is their last New York Fashion Week in the last week or so because it's just impossible to keep it going. That even though their collections are beloved or insiders are wearing them, it's just absolutely impossible to keep up with production needs and what needs to happen. So it's brilliant. They, They really set themselves up for success here where they for sure had funding to do whatever they wanted to do at whatever caliber they wanted to do it. Yeah, so let's let's get into their sort of rise to fame here because despite their insane net worth, they are still doing chores at home. They have a curfew and their foray into acting was pretty much completely accidental. So they were born in 1986 and they grew up in the Valley. So that's the other thing about all of this, which there's an amazing quote that I'll get to later that is sort of the ultimate California cool girl thing to say, which is just that they've sort of grown up in LA. This stuff isn't novel to them. They're not like, oh my God, we have to be seen at Ledoux. It's like they've they've lived here. They know it. They're, they have nothing to prove. Their parents got divorced in 1995. They split their time. And I jumped at the mention of Elizabeth Olsen here, who is 14 at the time of this profile, but now is obviously a starlet in her own right. Starlet, I would say full-blown star. Oh, yeah. Starlet. I I just love the word starlet, I think. I I still think of like Marilyn Monroe is a starlet, but she's a star. I'm obsessed with their reference to Elizabeth Olsen as Lizzie. And I think that's what she prefers to be called. Like, I think they still call her Lizzie. Lizzie Olsen. Lizzie. It's like how uh, insane it was to find out that Emma Stone, people that know her call her Emily because that's her real name. I mean, that montage that I think you sent me of times that she's corrected interviewers for saying, and Emma, what about you? And she's like, Emily. I know. And maybe you're hearing it here first because I didn't know about that until we did her as a guest. We've had (gasps) had some star-studded guests. We have her on. We're going to have her on for the Oscars. So, Jarnette, Saw a Burbank casting call. They were looking for twins, sent in a photo, and got the call from Full House saying they'd love to bring the girls in. And the twins were easy to work with, totally unfazed. And it was like, okay, they've got the job. The show was a huge hit. And for the first few years, they were too young to even read cue cards. So there was like a baby wrangler offset that would just say the lines and then they would repeat after them. And that was their work for the first few years until they learned to read. I did hear recently that John Stamos tried to get them fired because they were like, quote, giving him nothing or something like that. I can't remember what it was. But, <laughs> like you're like, these babies, they're trying to take me down. Well, well, I was reading that there was sort of a faux pas that happened because you know that Full House had the reboot, Fuller House, and they were the only ones of the original cast that didn't come back. And the faux pas was something about John Stamos reaching out to an agent, their agent, instead of them directly and how it didn't feel right. And then they decided that Michelle would not come back in the reboot. 
Wow. I didn't know that was the backstory. I'm also sure that there are more things like it would be completely off brand for them to decide to return to acting because the other thing is we're catching them right now. They're 17. They're about to pretty much retire from the movies. Ashley, especially Mary Kate would continue on to do a few more things. We don't know it yet, but this is the end of the good times. The Olsen twins are about to leave film and television forever. I know that they return for a Netflix reboot <laughs> like, would be kind of no. wild. Uh, yeah, absolutely not. I can't believe, yeah. though, that this guy, Thorne, Robert Thorne, that this man, Robert Thorne, negotiated for them producer deals by age six, making them the youngest producers ever in Hollywood. I know. I know. And as the show was kind of getting more popular, they used to be paid 4000 an episode. And then he was like, no, 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 25000 per episode. As babies. As babies. It's brilliant. It's actually insane. And also I'm realizing for celebrities who I have been so obsessed with for such a long time, like I just was such a devout follower of these twins. I have learned so much from this profile. I didn't know that they were the youngest ever credited producers in Hollywood. It feels like it really drops the curtain sort of on what was going on behind the scenes, how they did what they did. So yeah, basically from that, they're now in movies, the direct-to-video sort of vibe, and they're having a ball, a preteen dream. They're going to Hawaii to shoot movies. They're going to Rome. They're going to Paris. They're going to SeaWorld. And they get to pick the guys that are in the movie. They would watch audition tapes together and be like, he's the cutest. We'll have him as the lead, which I can't imagine anything more fun. Oh, the power? That's like, that's the hottest guy and I will be casting him. I'll be smooching him. (laughs) I know. I did hear this long ago that Mary-Kate's first kiss was Passport to Paris. The director confirms. He confirms it here. He says she was jumpy and did a dozen takes. So everyone can make their own opinions from that but i mean this was really their foray into the fashion world right their costume designer was saying that she was inundated with requests from fans demanding to know where these twins got their clothes and then that got robert thinking i know why don't we start dual star entertainment group basically they were just like let's do everything perfume lines lip gloss line clothes magazine they were ahead of the game and so many things they had a plus size line yeah so jancy goes to visit robert at the Century City High Rise, where Jewel Star is based, and s- walks into a room where it's literally dedicated to Mary Kate and Ashley Merch. And Robert says, We've got a plus size line because the girls want to be inclusive. They don't want to be exclusive. And in 2003, I don't think the word inclusive had ever no. exist. I mean, Abercrombie and Fitch, which was also big in this moment, their CEO was sort of out openly being like, I think that all overweight people should die. It was like, I don't want them in my clothes. That was sort of the vibe elsewhere. So this was very quietly radical. Also, do you remember the Olivia Mum? Olivia Mum. Olivia Mum memoir? <laughs> yeah, dude. She committed to print the words, I think fat people should run around in tunnels and that's what I would do if I was president. Let's just relegate them to tunnels. It's the imprint. I think that almost anyone, even the most brilliant people, have a weird day where they're recorded saying something they don't really mean. But... A book goes through so many drafts. There are so – it's like it It was a choice all the way through up until the very end. No, she's in a meeting, like four editors around her being like, what do you think? Keep it in. She's like, yeah, I stand by that. Fat people, tunnels, and that's that on that. And they're like, okay, the girl says what she means and we can't fold her for that. No, and thankfully it's an election year. So I'm excited to see her campaign. Oh, imagine – Olivia Munn on the docket. John Mulaney, oh the God. first husband. He would be great in that role, actually. I feel like he'd bring a lot of levity into the White House. And a lot of cocaine. But that's already there. Yeah, so. I know. Their baby's super cute, though. I will say that. I've not seen the baby. I'll show you the baby. The baby would not be in your bad baby group chat, for sure. It's a gorgeous baby. If you're going to bring up the bad baby group chat. <laughs> it's, it's baby judge council. Baby judge council. I have a question for you and a baby, but I'm actually going to wait until we're off camera. Everyone will have to go on the Patreon to learn what I'm about to ask. Well, I mean, this is a story about babies. It feels very relevant. Totally. So here we are. We're in the offices. We're with Robert Thorne, their man about the town. And he's basically talking about how he's been asked every year since they were four, like, what are you going to do next? What are the twins going to do? And that leads us to the movie that they're here to promote, New York Minute. 
the goal right now is to appeal to college age guys. No, he says the way we're going to do this, one word, and it starts with C. And then Jancy writes, hmm. Okay, not that word. Not that word either. Thorn stairs. Comedy, he announces. That's the way. <laughs> Our videos and feature films are never funny at the level I want them to be funny. And he has big plans where he's like, you know what? They won't star in the new movies. They'll have more latitude as producers. Things will be hard edge. Horrible things happened in this country that people want to know about. He means business, this man. He does mean business. My God. Jancy writes that the girls like never disagree. They really only come up against each other on food preferences it just reminded me of this iconic magazine clipping, which I think about, honestly, maybe once every two weeks. Ashley is asked, what's the key difference between you and Mary-Kate? And she's like, well, it's very simple. I believe the opposite of fire is water. Mary-Kate believes the opposite of fire is no fire. And I <gasps> think about that. Oh, my God. I have full body chills. I have full body. Okay. What is it for you? What is the opposite of fire? I guess it's, I don't know. No fire is the one I identified with more. My gut says that too. Why is that? I don't know. Water feels too far removed. We're in a totally different world with water. Yes. And it feels substantial in a way that it's just, exactly. We're just entering a different realm. It's like, it's fire or no. Are you in or are you out? You're adding a whole new element to the mix. Exactly. Oh my God, that's incredible. We have to find the original source material and we have to study it and we have to study it like a book, like we would in grad school. Never a true word spoken. And I, I love this quote because it seems like they really are, I don't want to say fully formed because I feel like 17 is a hard age to be fully formed at. I'm sure they grew a lot and learned a lot, but I found this bit so interesting where they're notoriously modest, Jancy writes, and Ashley, the quote begins, I just don't like showing my body like that. It's just not me. Honestly, what you see is what you get with us. It's not like, oh, I wish I was wearing a mini skirt to this premiere, but I can't. She shudders. I would kill myself if I was in a mini skirt. That felt extreme. I will admit. Kill myself a, if I was yeah. in a mini skirt? It's extreme. And they sort of have no vices, it seems. On top of being really well adjusted and worrying about the ACTs. The SATs. Oh, what did I say? ACTs? The ACTs. Oh, well, also those... What are the they, ACTs? Oh, the, they're the other SATs. It's ACT and SAT. I took both. I didn't know there was another SAT. Yeah. Did you take Did you take the SATs? No, absolutely not. No. Yeah. This is the only place that's so dumb, so terrible. It's multi-choice, so, right? It is. And then there's an essay portion. Okay. Okay. Did you kill that? I didn't really kill any of it. I have to say the SAT especially... I didn't do very well at all. It, I, My first score, the first one I ever got was a little scary. It was sort of what like, oh, no, like I can't even remember. But I want to – okay, this the, the number I have in my head is it was out of 2,400. That was a perfect score. Yeah. I think I got like 1,500. I thought that 1,500 up was like incredible. It's not. It's not. Oh. I don't believe it was. I don't believe that it was. The scores have also changed now. I think now they're out of like 1,400 or something. They're, the numbers have changed. But my score was not good. It was not good at all. And it wasn't like, oh, you know, I'm hard on myself. Not good. It was like, this is not a good score. This is very bad. You're in the lower percentile. And then I took the ACT and I did a lot better on that. That one just made more sense to me. And you're not penalized for guessing, I think, on that one. Or maybe you were for both. God, they suck. How do they know if you guess? Because the thing about the SAT was that if you are not 100% sure of the answer and you basically just like fill in the one that you feel like, okay, I'm 85% certain that this is the correct answer. If you get it wrong, it's a minus point. It's not just like, oh, we don't count that one. It's like, we're counting this one against your score now. If you fill something in and it's wrong, it's a minus one. If you leave it blank, it's a zero. And then if you get it right, it's like a plus one. Okay, that is absolutely cruel. Because no. they like, we don't want to take any chances that it's possible that you maybe guessed right when you didn't for sure know it. Oh my God. It is a sign, I think, of intelligence to use deductive reasoning of like, well, it's definitely not this and it's probably not this between these two. Whoa. No. Okay, you've taught nope. me a lot. So absolutely if you terrible. did bad, don't worry about it. Let Ivana heal your inner child. That's what this episode's all about. It really is. Back to the girls. So they're worried about their SATs. They also don't smoke or drink. 
Hmm. That would change. Yeah. They they smoke now. They, they big time. They smoke. love a ciggy. That's kind of who was it that had cigarettes in sort of little bowls at their wedding? Oh, Must Chloe Sevigny. No, it was one of them too. I, did you ever vape? Were you ever? No, I've never really like I smoked at home, but it was weird. The minute I got to New York, I was like, I, never again. And it was so not a conscious decision. I just was like, this makes me a hundred times more hungover. And my hair smells and my hair's long. And frankly, that's untenable. And I just won't yeah. go forward with this. So I stopped immediately. But um, but you smoked, right? All through college? Yeah. Yeah. And it was like mostly at parties. Chicago, it was so big. It was just kind of like we all did. Like all of my friends rolled their own cigarettes to save money because of they course. were smoking so much. But I also just stopped one day entirely. It was just like, nope, I'm done. I think that goes to show. I mean, I've heard that there are three types of addictive personalities. I can't remember if we've talked about this before, but I don't think like so. low, medium, and high. And people do fit into these buckets of how prone to addiction you are. Chris was like, I'm definitely medium. Like you were definitely low. We've got a friend who was like, oh, I'm high for sure. Like I know that to be <laughs> true. I do think that people do have certain either genetic traits or personality types that they're more prone to addiction than others. I feel very grateful that I didn't have to Me too. go through that process, get hypnotized. Yeah, I have a friend who's who's going to see a hypnotist very soon to try to stop vaping. Whoa. Yeah, the vaping is scarier because – People don't relegate you to a particular area. You are just waking up and hitting the vape. It's so accessible. All the flavors, they knew what they were doing. It's not right in the eyes of God, for sure. They knew that they were committing an act that would hurt people in the future. And they said, green apple, candy slice, blue raspberry, let's go. But here's the quote, my favorite quote of the piece. As we're talking about, well, how are they possibly able to stay away from all of these things? And how are they able to not bite Eve's apple? Ashley says, this was our life since we were nine months old. It's not like someone who is 15 who comes into it and isn't from LA and is like, wow, this is so great. So true. And so funny that in her description here, it's sort of like someone coming into 15, like we've been there, we've done that. Literally chain smoking in the corner, like in my day, they're coming into their trust at 18 and their first plans are to open a children's hospital. And Jancy describes it as like their plans don't get any more debauched than this children's hospital. And it's like, yeah, you don't want to have a blowout. Like you don't want to buy a new Range Rover or I don't know, take your, all your friends to Europe and even their boyfriends. I mean, Jancy gets into it here. Ashley is going out with like a Columbia University freshman who she met in high school. Mary Kate is currently single. They're just so ordinary yeah that makes them extraordinary that they're not like yeah we're gonna buy a yacht and then light it on fire in the middle of the caribbean sea there are billionaires at 50 who are still just buying the yacht to light it on fire and i feel like nothing nothing really sums it up better than where this profile ends which is the most mundane little interaction they're leaving the interview ashley's cell phone rings as she hits a stoplight hello she says it's Mary Kate in the Range Rover behind her. What station? K Big 104. She adjusts the radio. And All Wanna Do by Cheryl Crow comes on. Oh, it's that song we like. She turns up the radio. Thanks. She says, Love you. Two Range Rovers driving down the street in LA, both listening to Cheryl Crow, singing, smiling, never have to worry about money again. I am so happy for them. Also, the fact that they lived together but didn't drive together, each took their own Range Rover. That is like two Barbies beep beeping around town. Yeah, it's like it's you wouldn't believe it unless someone told you. And why would Jancy lie? Why would Jancy lie? This is just a real story of someone's life. They're going to go to college together in New York. They're going to live together. That's their plan where it's like, why would we live apart? Sorry. No, we're going to go together. God, the assignment of a lifetime. Teenage Olsen twins. I mean, I don't think they've done press since. No, why would they need to? The rare occasion we do see them is at the CFDA Awards when they're accepting literally like a trailblazer honor. And yeah, that's it. That's it. That's what we get. How interesting that we are living in the same lifetime as these two powerhouses. I kept thinking this while you're breaking down the profile that they have no connection to Hollywood. They have no familial benefit here. There's no nepotism involved. They have made it this big 
off of literally nothing at all. It's the American dream in its truest sense. I mean, even their dad, who may have been doing well as a real estate developer, that doesn't do anything for you in the industry. They have really just like off the back of their talent, their grace, their good looks, risen the ranks to at this point have created a a billion dollar empire with a $300 million net worth. It's inconceivable, actually, because can you imagine in this day and age with how saturated the entertainment landscape has become with young people. Yeah. There's just no one who's able to turn it around like this in this short amount of time. There's also just less money to be made in Hollywood. It's why we see a Sydney Sweeney taking every brand deal in the world because it doesn't matter. She's in a big blockbuster movie that's getting a cinematic release, but it's not how it once was. I'm sure I don't even want to know how much they were paid for New York Minute. Actually, I wonder if that information would be online. Hold, please. Yeah, look look up the budget too. I'm curious. $30 million. Okay. And how much did it make in the box office? $21 million. Ooh, Didn't break loss. even. A loss. Damn. 11% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> a lot of these yeah, no- really damning statistics. <laughs> didn't want to say it earlier. I didn't want to cop to it, but it wasn't very good. I mean, I no. did prefer the direct-to-DVD hits. Holiday in the Sun. Yeah. Who could forget? Do you know what that movie is synonymous with with me? And I've got to get out of this habit because I feel like I've been singing every episode, but do, 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 hip, hip. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, I know. I know exactly what you're saying. Is it, <laughs> are you singing the Weezer song? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the minute I hear it, I'm instantly transported to the Bahamas or wherever they were solving a new crime. I don't think you've been singing every episode. I don't know. No, I last episode was unbearable. Listening to Usher, you were I couldn't so- even. Yes, I was singing along so intensely just- to the DJ <laughs> Airworm 2009 mashup. Oh, I, oh yeah. Oh, it was hard to listen back to. It was subconscious. <laughs> like, I couldn't even help it. Like, you just hear me being like, dun, 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 dun. not even being cool or cute with it oh my god i guess the difference is is that i enjoy it so i don't even register that it's happening i'm just having a nice time but i'm understanding that when you're hearing yourself sing you're hearing that a lot harder and i also think for me specifically it's an ick unsolicited singing is an ick and even in myself like i'm like that wasn't solicited by anyone in this recording setting Mm -hmm. ivana didn't ask for it no one else in the room asked for it this was you and you alone and you decide to take this on regardless of how anyone else would feel. You thought only of yourself in that moment. Totally selfish, yeah. This profile also feels huge to me because New York Minute was the last movie that they would appear in together. This was the final hurrah. It's so crazy. And it's also so LA girl to me. That's like, I've got to move to New York and I'm obsessed with it and I'm going to NYU. I mean, every single person I think makes that transition one way or another. Like the East Coasters want to come out West. The West Coasters are like, New York is the coolest place I've ever been in my life. I can walk everywhere. Seasons. It's so classic to me that they would fully get out of the LA bubble. And I mean, now they are New York. Style in New York has been immeasurably influenced by them and who they are and the way that they dress. They've really made a home there for themselves. I didn't know they grew up in LA. Like that was news to me in this profile. I think that would have set me free a little bit as a as a preteen to be like, okay, their proximity to this industry was was tight. Like they were 20 minutes away from Hollywood. Maybe you should cut yourself a little bit of slack. <laughs> You're not a twin. You don't have access to an agent right now. Maybe you should chill the fuck out. Yeah, and you're not like a super, super rich six-year-old. The hardest stories are the Jennifer Lawrence's, where it's sort of like, there is no reason that this person should be famous. They're from Kentucky, yet somehow they were so good that they made it work, despite all the hurdles. Plucked from obscurity on a family trip to New York. I'll never forget it. <sighs> Do you remember all of us trying to get scouted at the mall? Like, yeah. speak of American the suburban teen. Yeah, back to the mall. Just like hoping that someone might just like come across and spot you and be like, now there's a face that I've never seen before. I mean, that's why I dressed up to go. That Not, not this past weekend. Those dreams have gone away. <laughs> Getting scouted in a mall in Milwaukee, in suburban Milwaukee. No. As a teen, though, my God, yes. 12 and a half, I was like, I need my Sunday's best on, makeup, 
hair straightened by my babysitter the night before and then I'm off and then I'm going and I pray to God that someone sees me and they see my height, my incredible height of 5'8 and they know she was meant to walk the catwalk. See you across the room and just snap you up for a what seems to be a very miserable way of life running around from casting to casting with a book and daily rejection. So yeah, that was the other thing. The way we romanticize modeling, I mean, now we know so much better and know what a terribly difficult job it is and getting through takes so much persistence. Why did we want that for ourselves? Why did we want any of it? Like the, the acting part of it, taking cues from Mary-Kate and Ashley, letting go, letting go of previous wants, ambitions, and just embracing the hair and now. And if that means to me, a billion dollar fashion line that is beloved by some of the biggest, that is just what I'm going to have to settle for. It's going to be fine. And I'll leave you with this quote, which is something that Ashley told Elle when she was trying to explain, this is why I retired. She said, I don't like to be the center of attention. Mind bending words. We should take it with us, really. It's like, what could you accomplish if you didn't need anybody to know about it? So true. Us, meanwhile, love to be the center of attention in your ears. And if you enjoyed this episode or any, hit that little upwards arrow. Share it around. Share around the twin love. Oh my God. Also, how much does this make you want to get a drink with them or see them or interview them? We forgot. It's unquantifiable. Interview them. I would pay to do it. I would love to sit down with them. I would just love to, to really hear about it all, start to finish, how they do it. Also, I'm dying to know what Ashley Olsen thinks of Dax Shepard since they dated. I know. We come out of retirement to just share a cigarette with them both. Oh, we're chain smoking that night. Yeah, yeah out of respect. Exactly right. As they deserve. Yeah. Love you. And I hope to one day share a cigarette with you, beautiful Aga. Or maybe not. <laughs> maybe a fry. A little truffle fry. It's all the same. Both equally bad for you. <laughs> I hope to explore one vice or another with my sweet Agos. God, I miss you. I miss sharing a fry with you. I miss you too. We will return to each other the way Mary Kay and Ashley do once again very soon. All right. Love it. Love you. Love you. Bye. Uncover Girl is lovingly crafted by Beatrice Hazelhurst and Ivana Ryder. If you want to get even deeper under the covers with us, you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash uncovergirl or follow us on Instagram at uncovergirlpodcast. Rate Uncover Girl, write us a review, and share your favorite episode, Sean Mendes, Rolling Stone 2018, anyone? And we will be your forever fans. Love you.